For over 30 years, the U.S. went without any sort of any comprehensive tax reform. Now, just over the span of four years, America is undergoing its second. Congress is actively debating Biden's Build Back Better agenda, which includes investment in infrastructure, social programs, and a plethora of tax changes through this wonky process we call reconciliation. Last week, we discussed why Congress is doing this and what all they are debating. And today, we'll look at where things stand now as the House gets ready to vote on this $3.5 trillion package. This is The Deduction, a Tax Foundation podcast. I'm Jesse Solis, Media Relations Manager here at the Tax Foundation. I'm joined today by our Senior Policy Analyst, Garrett Watson. Mr. Watson, how are we doing today? Doing great. It's been a lot of fun this past couple of weeks. Yeah. How's the weather in Arkansas? Uh, It's warm, but it's finally uh, starting to cool down uh, for fall. So very excited. We're in uh, pumpkin spice latte season here. Amen. We got a lot to cover today, so we'll we'll keep the pleasantries brief. But Garrett, where 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 are things now? What's going on? Right. So over the past uh, week or so, the Ways and Means Committee in the House has considered a plethora of tax increases, both on higher income folks and corporations, uh, taking their crack at what might fund uh, this large three point five trillion dollar reconciliation package. And with that now out of the way, uh, all of those tax increases will go before the House Rules Committee and eventually to the House floor to be considered, where we might see lots of exciting changes, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, In addition, a lot of the tax hikes being considered in the Senate is still up in the air. Today, there's been a bit of excitement with Senator Schumer, uh, Speaker Pelosi, and the White House coming together for a framework agreement over various options for financing. So that remains to be seen, what, what might be in there. And from a bigger perspective, uh, we're still waiting to see what the overall spending level might actually be, because it could still change a bit, and along with it, the many tax hikes being considered in-house and in the Senate. I think D.C. is the number one place in the country for the word framework. I think you hear that more here than probably any other industry. Uh, all right, so House committees, they passed their stuff. House rules consolidated it all. Might need to go back to committees for some markups, then the full house is going to vote on it. That's what it's going to sound like. Once that happens, the Senate's going to do what the Senate does. But what are some of the numbers here for these tax changes? Um, I know the Tax Foundation last week put out some modeling on the plan that passed the House Ways and Means Committee. What's that look like? So from a big picture perspective, uh, the House Ways and Means Committee put forth a bit over $2 trillion in tax hikes. That's both on high-income individuals aimed at those earning over $400,000 a year and on corporations by raising the corporate tax rate to 26.5%, strengthening international taxes. Uh, We're sensing a trend here, right? Uh, Very consistent with what the president has proposed to try to raise uh, revenue from higher earner folks to fund the various social spending that he's uh, proposing. Uh, In addition to that $2 trillion in in revenue, uh, it was offset by about a trillion dollars in expanded tax credits, with the flagship one being the expansion of the child tax credit, extending that expanded amount through 2025, which is currently in effect this year, uh, which raises the, the generosity of that credit and advances it on a monthly basis, that alone costed close to $450 billion over those few years. So on total, they're raising a little over $1 trillion on a, a conventional basis, meaning the uh, we're assuming the economy isn't changing at all when you raise that revenue. When you account for the smaller economy that this will generate, which I'll speak to in a second, it actually only raises about $800 billion. They want to spend $3.5 trillion, and they're raising somewhere between $800 billion and a trillion right now is what you're getting at. Right. So the, the trillion dollars in credits probably counts toward that three and a half. So they're really looking at spending two and a half in addition to those credits against about a trillion in conventional revenue. And they're hoping to make up that, that gap somewhat through 
medical savings and drug pricing, about $700 billion there. And they're also claiming something like $600 billion in dynamic revenue because the economy might grow due to the spending. But uh, we don't find that in our modeling, and it's very unlikely that would happen over the first 10 years. Another refrain used by, I'd say, both parties in Washington, growth will pay for parts of it, which sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but a lot of tax hikes in there. We at the Tax Foundation follow tax changes closely. What would those tax hikes do for the economy? We found uh, overall it would reduce long-run GDP by about 0.98%, so very close to a 1% hit to the size of the economy in the long run. And American incomes that they actually earn would fall by over 1%. That's primarily driven by all these tax hikes reducing the after-tax return to productive investment that makes workers more productive and increases their wages over the long run. And of course, uh, reducing the return to, to working more, especially for these, these higher earners. And so that, that reduces the size of the economy and the size of the amount of, uh, the amount of revenue that they're going to collect. But it also directly translates to lower after-tax income for taxpayers. And so what we find is in 2022, this tax package does move the tax code in a much more strongly progressive direction. So the bottom 20% see about a 14.5% increase in their after-tax income. The top 1% see a 5% reduction in their after-tax income. So much more progressive in the short run. But in the long run, we find that uh, most taxpayers, especially those outside the top 20%, would see lower after-tax incomes on average by nearly $500 for middle-income earners. That really is a testament to the fact that these tax changes would harm the economy, and these tax credits that are offsetting it are very expensive, and they're not expected to go past 2025. And finally, another way to show how inefficient this is at raising revenue, for every dollar in revenue that's being raised here, it's losing over $2 in economic growth over the long run. And so that, that's another way of showing that we're really losing not just the money that's being raised here, but an additional $2 in lost output that would have been produced had these tax changes not happened. I saw a piece today that was titled, Why You Should Ask for a 5% Raise Right Now. Maybe they were forecasting this deduction episode, hearing that after-tax incomes were going to shrink that much. Now, that 14.5% increase for the bottom 20%, does that stay throughout this 10-year window, or are they going to see potential tax hikes down the road too? That's a great question. So that 14.5% increase is mostly driven by that expanded child tax credit that would be in effect between 2022 and 2025 for families with children. Uh, it's expected to expire after that because it's incredibly expensive. Uh, we've estimated that over 10 years, it would cost over $1.5 trillion on its own, or uh, a little less than half of the total spending that's being proposed here over 10 years. And so what you find is in the long run, that group still ends up ahead, but nowhere near uh, as much, about 2.6% in the long run once that large credit expires. And so they're actually the only income group that ends up slightly ahead in this plan, while all groups above them end up uh, with a reduction in after-tax incomes uh, and, of course, a smaller, likely less dynamic economy as a result as we make the U.S. less competitive uh, internationally as well. Now, I know it still has to pass the House, so this is all just what we have out of one committee so far. Do you see any tax changes happening to the House before you even get to the Senate side of things? Or do you think what passed Ways and Means will probably pass on the floor too? Yeah, I think there are two things to highlight there to watch. The first is what ends up happening with the cap on the deduction for state and local income taxes, uh, state and local sales and income taxes uh, and property taxes. Right now, it's capped at $10,000 and it's scheduled to continue to be capped through the end of 2025. Though there's been a strong push by several folks in the House to 
make that cap either more generous or repeal it altogether. We did not see details on that in the, in the Ways and Means Plan, but we expect to see that when it gets to the Rules Committee and to the floor. Though that will be uh, have the trade-off of reducing the revenue collection even further. It's about $90 billion a year to repeal it. And it makes the code less progressive. We found that if they fully uh, repealed the salt cap, it would actually offset more than half of the reduction in after-tax incomes at the top. And so it's it's going in one direction, making the code more progressive, and then taking it back by, by uh, repealing that cap. The second thing I would, I would follow is there might be some adjustments to those international tax hikes. There's been some discussion about maybe uniting it with the 15% minimum tax that's being proposed at the international level. Right now, it's being proposed at a slightly higher rate. And so that might be another place where there might be some adjustments before it gets to the Senate and we have discussion about what the overall spending might look like. Now, of course, how it goes every time, it's not just the policy being debated. There's also politics at play, midterms around the corner. Uh, who do we need to watch in the coming weeks? Who are key players leadership kind of needs to satisfy in order to get this across the finish line? I think in both chambers, it's a pretty tight rope here. It's a precarious situation. In the House, of course, you have a pretty strong divide between more centrist members who are concerned about the level of potential deficit spending here. Uh, and who tend to actually be more concerned about the bipartisan infrastructure package. We want to see that passed as a precondition to passing the reconciliation bill. So that needs to be dealt with. That timeline is coming very quickly to an end where uh, that the speaker committed to a vote by the 27th. And in the Senate, it, it does remain, I think, centrally focused on Senator Joe Manchin, Senator Kristen Sinema, and others uh, like them who may prefer a smaller overall price tag here. We've seen numbers as low as one or one and a half trillion dollars rather than three and a half trillion. And that's a significant shift. A lot would have to be cut if that ends up happening. And of course, that would have a big impact on the tax side as well. So those are the folks to really watch to see what they end up being comfortable with. And the rest of the package will have to be designed around them because there really is no margin for error here. They cannot lose any votes in the Senate. And it can only lose about three votes in the House. So a pretty tight walk moving forward. And I suspect it'll be a long road ahead between now and the end of the year. Of course, interesting, too, that we can call $1.5 trillion small when we're talking about these sort of things. And you, you think it's going to be just Democrats only getting these along? Is there a single Republican who's going to get on board? Or are they pretty unified in opposition? It seems like this is going to be a purely partisan exercise. Of course, it goes without saying on top of all of this is the looming uh, need to continue government spending through a continuing resolution at the end of the month because it expires. If not, there might be a shutdown. And on top of that, there, of course, is now this week intense debate over what to do about the debt limit that will be coming up which Republicans are demanding that Democrats uh, raise on their own if they are so committed to doing this additional spending. And without doing that, the U.S. does face something like a, a default, uh, something that we last ran into about 10 years ago, which may have very big impacts on financial markets and, and the economic recovery. So a lot <laughs> to come, I think, over the next month, especially not just on the tax side, but on, on those questions as well. Any final thoughts? Anything people need to look out for as this keeps going forward? Is the Tax Foundation be doing more? Yeah, we're going to continue to monitor uh, all of these tax changes and really try to emphasize how this might impact the average taxpayer, what to look out for, how it might impact them. A uh, major thing we focused on, of course, is how these tax changes might affect those earning under $400,000 a year, be it the corporate tax hikes or the proposed tax increases on cigarettes and nicotine. Uh, we'll continue to, to emphasize that there will be a tax increase on those under 400000 a year. And that deserves some scrutiny if this tax pledge is going to be committed to in this uh, process. Uh, and we'll continue to do, of course, visualizations and comparisons with our international peers and others uh, to give folks the context they need to evaluate these proposals. 
Most definitely. And Garrett, you do a good job keeping folks informed online about everything going on. How can people follow you to stay up to date on the latest? You can find me at GS underscore Watson on Twitter. And if you guys want to follow me, I am at Solis Jesse and taxfoundation.org. We'll have all these resources and more right on the homepage. We have it all right there. Just breaking out this plan, updating you with the latest as it comes. Be sure to check us out there. Give us a follow on Twitter, on LinkedIn, wherever you get your news. If you like the podcast, feel free to drop us a note, taxfoundation.org slash podcast. And we'll see you guys next time on The Deduction. The Deduction.